0: sallallahu alayka ya rasul sallallahu wa sallama alayka ya sayyidi wa ya mawlaya wa ibn mawlaya يا first الله that ويا باب ما خاب والله من تمسك بكم وأمنا من لجأ والتجأ إليكم يا ليتنا كنا معكم سادتي فنفوز Fauzen Adeem altogether. A salamu ala al wa ala Ali wa وعلى أصحاب الحسين ورحمة الله وبركاته قال الله تعالى في محكم كتابه الكريم وقوله الحق وهو أصدق الصادقين أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وننزل من القرآن ما هو شفاء Ma Shifa shifa'u wa lil mu'mineen wa Yazid yazeidu al-dhalimeen illa khasaara So we in your gathering with the remembrance of Muhammadin wa Ali Muhammad As a gift to the soul of Sayyidina wa Mawlana wa Azeemina wa Habibina al-Imam al hussein his honorable family and companions, recite the second salawat. <laughs> For Allah to shower onto this gathering with his infinite mercy and compassion. To hasten the reappearance of Sayyidina wa Mawlana, Sahib al Asri wa Zaman, recite the third salawat with the loudest of your voices. On the eve of the 21st, from the holy month of Ramadan, 40 years after the Hijrah, the migration of Rasulullah from the holy city to Mecca, from Mecca to Medina, Imam Amir al-Mu'mineen's personal physician paid him a visit. And after he checked his wound and he realized that the poison has taken over the body of Amir al-Mu'mineen. He says to him, Ya Aba al-Hasan, awsi wasiyyatak wa ahid ahdak. Oh the father of Hasan, it is time for you to write your last will, to state your wasiyyah, you have no time left. The poison has seized your entire body and Amir al-Mu'minin then commissioned for all his family to gather around him. Imam Hassan to his right, Imam Hussein to his left, his family surrounded him, and once more, though for the very last time, humanity had the ability to be enlightened by the wisdom of the gatekeeper of the knowledge of all the prophets. For the very last time humanity was able to be enlightened by the commander of the faithful. And the commander of the faithful kept the most important of his advice to the most important of people surrounding him and the most important night of the year. It is something that every Muslim must study, every Muslim must comprehend. I'm about to read to you the final farewell of Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib. And don't be surprised if you realize this is the very first time that you hear those words. He states, Allah, Allah bil Qur'an, ij'aluhu imamikum. You see, when I use the word Allah, I may not know its significance. But this is Amir al muminin Uttering the greatest name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Not once, but twice To whom? To Hassan and Hussein. Reason being is he wants them to pay attention To the statement that he's about to say He begins with Allah, Allah The greatest word that a human being can utter Then what does he say? Bil-Qur'an Give importance and priority to the Qur'an What should they do? Ij'aluhu imamakum Let the Qur'an be your imam Let the Qur'an be your guide The Qur'an was the imam of Imam Hussain The Qur'an was the imam of Imam Hassan the Qur'an was the imam of Amir al muminin Not only that, the Qur'an was the imam of Rasulullah. Because it is directly the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The last revelation. And we see this book every day sitting in our homes. And some of us are indifferent to create a relationship with this book. Then he says, Again, Allah, Allah, give importance to the Quran and do not allow anyone to proceed in implementing its teachings prior to you. If there is a race in Islam, which there is, The race is to implement the Qur'an, the teachings of the Qur'an. What does the Qur'an teach me? The Qur'an teaches me equality in humanity. Just yesterday I was reading a riwayah a hadith, that says a mu'min is not a mu'min if he leaves his house and he looks at others and he feels he is above them. I mean, I just came out of a majlis, I've been to hajj, I've been to ziyarah, I pay all my dues. Look at this guy. Surely I'm more beloved to God than this man or this woman. A mu'min is not a mu'min who can get himself to even do that or think of that. The Quran speaks of selflessness. عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ Not generosity, not being charitable, selfless. The Qur'an says that in those three consecutive days, Fatima, Hassan, Hussein, Ali, and Rasulullah slept hungry when they gave away their food to the poor. They didn't leave half the food for themselves and were charitable with the other half. This is what the Qur'an teaches. Amir al-Mu'mineen says, My sons, my family and you're all the family of Ali ibn Abi Talib, do not allow anyone to proceed in implementing the Quran prior to you. Then what does he say? And know that this Quran is an advisor. You go and you hire an advisor, to give you advice about your startup, your business, your marketing campaign, you give them $1,000 an hour. They may give you good advice, but they also may give you rubbish advice. Amir al Mu'mineen says, This advice, sir, the Quran, i will give you advice, but it'll never give you rubbish advice. It'll always give you the most accurate advice. It will never cheat you, it will never lie to you. But do we really seek to take advice from the Quran? Have you ever thought if I encounter a problem in my life, if I have an issue at home, if I don't know how to deal with a situation at school, let me first seek the advice of the Almighty God from the Holy Quran. And the Quran is a guide, a hadith, a navigation system. It will never take you astray. It will always deliver you. What else? وَالْمُحَدِّثُ الَّذِي And a friend. But which kind of friend? A friend that never lies. We all have friends that sometimes lie. But this friend, it will never lie to you. I will always tell you the truth. What else? And Imam Ali says if you spend quality time with this Quran, you will depart from that session with an increase and a decrease. Increase in what? And a decrease in what? He explains. مَا جَالَسَ هَذَا الْقُرْآنَ أَحَدٌ إِلَّا وَقَامَ عَنْهُ بِزِيَادَةٍ أَوْ نُقْصَانِ زِيَادَةٌ فِي هُدَى An increase in enlightenment, increase in knowledge, increase in wisdom. أَوْ نُقْصَانٌ مِنْ عَمَاء and decrease in blindness, confusion, uncertainty. Today, most human beings on the face of the earth, they suffer from uncertainty and confusion. Which school should I go to? Which house should I buy? Who should I marry? Who should be my friend? What should I do here? What should I do there? The Quran puts an end to your confusion. وَعْلَمُوا أَنَّ لَيْسَ عَلَىٰ أَحَدٍ بَعْدَ الْقُرْآنِ مِنْ وَلَا لِأَحَدٍ And he says, and no, that if you have the Qur'an, you have the entire wealth. And if you don't have the Qur'an, but you have accumulated wealth, you are impoverished. If you have two million bucks in your account but you don't have a relationship with the Quran, you are broke. But if you have the Quran, then you are wealthy. You're uber rich. Because you possess the final divine revelation sent by God to humanity. And thus... The Imam of Imam al Hussein was the Quran. And when he spoke of his mission statement, and I spoke of his mission statement, that I do not embark on this journey for the sake of wealth, for the sake of money, for the sake of popularity, and we said, You cannot join the camp of Hussein if you have such motives. There is no room for you in the camp of Hussein. The camp of Hussein only belongs to Allah and those who seek Allah. That's it. Or else, how can you justify a man who takes his entire family as a Qurbani to Allah? He could have left his family at home in Medina. A man who takes the six-month-old infant with him to offer him as a Qurbani on the 10th of Muharram. There is no way except to say that Hussein saw nothing but Allah and no one but Allah and did nothing for anyone besides Allah. And if you want to join the camp of Hussein, this is the criteria. Therefore, the Imam of Imam al Hussein was the Quran. And Imam al Hussein, when he says, I am here to take the footsteps of my grandfather Rasulullah and my father Imam Amir al Mu'mineen. It means I am giving life and rejuvenating the teachings of the Holy Qur'an. And it is beautiful. If we attend 40 years of majalis, and we can name 20 companions of Imam al Hussein and the details of their story, it's great. That it is beautiful. But if at the same time I cannot mention the name of 40 chapters from the Qur'an, and speak of the main theme within all those chapters, then it's a shame. If I don't enter the university of Imam al hussein and graduate with a better relationship and an understanding with the Quran than I have failed, the majlis has failed, the gathering has failed, because this was the reason behind Imam al husseins upbringing. And therefore, brothers and sisters, the majalis, the gatherings, the azah. the central theme must be the Qur'an. Not someone he saw this dream, and this other person, this incident happened. We need to give the Qur'an to our families and our children. And let's be real. Let me be real for you, with you for a moment here. We all have issues. Nobody's flawless. Especially parents. Every parent is scared of one thing. I don't want to fail as a parent. I don't want to fail in parenting my children. And the answer to that is not your culture. The answer to that is the holy Qur'an. I know some people will not like what I'm about to say, but I will say it because you know I don't seek to please anybody besides Allah, inshallah. I grew up in this country, like many of you sitting in front of me. I've never seen this many youth, ever. And we, growing up in this country... There were two incidents that shook me the most. I'm about to share them with you. One was that there was a young man who I knew, the community knew, who went to a basketball game with uh, a Lakers game with some of his friends. I know some people from this community who have now chosen Houston to be home, like myself, who were in California at the time and are present here and can attest to the story. He went to a Lakers game on the way out Somebody said something to his girlfriend. Now, oh, he had a girlfriend. Yes, he did, okay. I'm not responsible for it. And this kid, what does he do? He goes to this guy and he's trying to you know, get in a fight with him, have a moment to shine. And the other dude grabs a knife, puts it in his shoulders, and leaves him. He bleeds, he bleeds, he bleeds. The ambulance can't get in, it's a Lakers game. Everybody's exiting, and he dies. And this was a shock for the whole community. This was a wake-up call for the whole community. The other one was also from an honorable family. And he got involved in a gang. And you know the story behind gangs and their violence and he owed money to gangsters and they threatened to kill his whole family. So what did he do? He hung himself in the shower. And he died. And he ended his life with suicide. And it again shook the community. And what I remember is that both those families were extremely in tune with their culture. I'm not telling you your culture is wrong. Pay attention to what I'm about to say. One family, they were in charge of creating the Sizda Badar, you know, the 13 days after Nowruz, in L.A., just look it up. There's tens of thousands of people there. And to them, their objective was we're going to have this massive cultural event for everybody. The other culture I'm not going to mention because I don't want to get on the bad side of the Pakistanis. I'm not saying any culture is above the other or one culture is bad and this culture is good. That's not what I'm saying. I want you to continue to pay attention. At the vigil, at the graveyard, one of them said a statement that shook me until today. And until today, I see that that scene in front of my eyes. He said when they put his son in the grave, He said, my son needed to shine. All you wanted him to do is to attend the majalis. To sit in a majlis. And he wasn't understanding what was going on. But he needed to shine. As a teenager, they need to shine. You didn't give him a chance to shine, so he chose to shine somewhere else. And while he did that, he joined a a gang. And now we have to bury him seven feet deep on his back in a grave. Those youth brothers and sisters, they need to shine. They need to feel that they're somebodies. They need to feel that you've given them a responsibility to lead. Or else you will lose them somewhere else. And then people come crying Oh Sayyid, my son is addicted to drugs He got caught drinking and driving He did this, he did that Save yourselves and your families By giving them familiarity to the Qur'an The Qur'an will save them Make the Qur'an their priority Because it is the word of Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala And I want to talk about the genius of the Qur'an for a moment. Just think about this. Some people say, how can you prove to me that the Qur'an is the everlasting word of God so we go through different ways? I'll give you one very simple way. Very simple way. Here it is. The Qur'an, we know, God, according to Christianity, according to the Jewish faith, according to Muslims, according to Ab- the, Hab- the Abrahamic faith, faiths, God sent 124,000 prophets to illuminate the lives of people. Okay, correct. But how many of them are mentioned in the Quran? 25. Why? Is it because they had a big TikTok following? Is it because they had influencer status on Instagram? Is it because they were, you know, on the Forbes front page magazine? In fact, some of them were the least popular people in their villages and their cities. Some of them were expelled from their cities and some of them were killed. So those guys were no popular people. So why does God choose to bring those 25 only this will tell you that the Quran is the everlasting word of God. Because if you study the life of those, two, those 25 prophets, you find that they speak of social illnesses that will exist amongst human people for the rest of humanity and in every single society. Study the life of Yusuf. Is it just a story that happened in the time of Yusuf and it's over? <laughs> Jealousy amongst family members? Seduction? Corruption? Is that something that does not exist today or will not exist 10 years from now or 100 years from now? Or the tyranny of Pharaoh and the fact that Musa stood in front of Pharaoh and his injustice? Has that ended? And we talk about prophets. We talk about all the prophets. We talk about Asa, we talk about Musa, we talk about Suleiman, we talk about Saleh, we talk about, but there is one prophet we don't talk about. And that is the prophet Lot. the prophet Lot. Why? Because his story is uncomfortable. I'm not, I'm not here to question that. His story is uncomfortable. But he's mentioned his, his his issue, his circumstance, his calling, his mission has been repeated within the Holy Quran almost one hundred times. His name has been repeated in the Holy Quran. Almost 30 times. And guess what? Sometimes when you're ill, you have to drink some nasty medicine. Because that's going to eliminate the illness within your body. You have to swallow that hard pill. Because you need to eliminate the illness within your body. Some people think that the majalis of Imam al-Hussein—it's like a, your local shisha cafe. We have many of them in Houston, mashallah. Many of them, and they're all packed. They're grim. Some people think that the majlis is like your shisha cafe. You go, you sit there. Double apple, please. Grape mint. Or your local restaurant, I want, you know, double burger with no mushrooms. That's not how it is. A majlis of Imam Al-Hussein is like the ER. You don't get to choose the problems that the community faces. And you need to discuss them. You can't say, well, this person that comes into the ER with this particular problem, guess what? I don't want to deal with you. You can't do that. And today, brothers and sisters, this country remains divided, not on elections. Canada remains divided. The United Kingdom remains divided. The entire Western world remains divided. On what? On the influence of the LGBTQRS, whatever, community, at your local schools and what is being taught to your kids. And it's not so much about the LGBT community, it's about the fact that I should have my freedom to choose what is being taught to my children. As a taxpayer, if you wake up in the morning and you're afraid for your child's safety to send them to school because of mass shootings, you can raise your voice and say we need to amend the laws, we need to create more gun control so that I can feel safe sending my kids to school. There is nothing wrong with that. If you don't want something to be taught to your children in school, Because those children are innocent. Because those children are already confused by whatever they see in the media and Netflix and social media and all the other stuff. They don't need more confusion and you don't need more headaches at home. You have the freedom to express yourself. And I'm not saying, oh, let's go and protest and burn and do this. No, 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 no. This country is based on a very civilized way of getting what you need done. But you cannot snooze. You cannot be hibernating right now. When you go to the ziyarah of Arba'een and you visit Imam al hussein and inshallah all of you will, and I see, inshallah I will see all of you in Karbala this year. Inshallah, say inshallah. Inshallah. And by the way, we're going to have the same majlis, inshallah, in Karbala as well. So inshallah, we'll see you there. So, when you visit Imam Al-Hussein, what do you say to him on the 10th of, on the Arba'een? What Imam Al-Sadiq taught me and you to greet him. بَذَلَ مُهْجَتَهُ We say, Ya Allah, we are a witness that he gave his life. Why? لِيَسْتَنْقِذَ so that he rescues people from what? Jahala. Jahala. Ignorance. al And the uncertainty of confusion. This was the task of Imam al Are we aligned with his principles? How can you say this topic is irrelevant to Ashura? Ashura and Imam al Hussein. This is the heart of Ashura and Imam al Hussein. Imam al Hussein did not come so that me and you cry for him. We cry for him. Of course we cry for him. Who cannot cry for Hussein? But we are here to seek the lessons of Hussein. When we stand in front of his grave, we're not standing on a body, we're standing over the principles of Hussein. A message of Hussein, and when we say, Labbeka Ya Hussein, it doesn't mean that I am here, Ya Hussein. It says, It means, Ya Hussein, I am a follower. I am here so that this journey continues. I am here to say that your blood did not go in vain. I am here to give life to your blood. That's what it means. And I want to speak briefly, brothers and sisters, on what needs to be done. First of all, before I engage, I want to say this is not a political discussion. This has nothing to do with the Republicans and Democrats and this and the other. It has nothing to do with that. What I'm about to tell you is the Islamic perspective on what is happening today. That's it. You as Muslims, all of you younger brothers and sisters, my beloveds, you go to school. You have to know what the Islamic stance is from what's going on right now. You have to be able to protect your children when you have children, inshallah. Protect your families when you have families, inshallah. Don't say like some people did make this mistake, and we're not here to shame people. As long as I send my children to private school, as long as I you know, send them to for, uh, ISD, Fort Bend, whatever, they'll be fine, they'll be okay. There is no such a thing. We all know that is not true. You have to protect your kids. You have to know the Islamic stance. You have to know your responsibility. And let the American people, the American fabric, know what we believe in as Muslims. You would not believe how many people are now thirsty for Islam Because they know that in Islam we don't compromise In Islam this is a sin And no prophet of God came and allowed this to happen in a society So what should we do? Number one Islam focuses on the educational system I want to begin with this. Number one, Islam focuses on the educational system. Rasulullah, his mission began with اقرأ ربك It begins with education. Rasulullah was the one that says اطلب العلم ولو Even if it means for you to travel to China to seek knowledge, travel to China. اطلب العلم من إلى From the cradle to the grave, seek knowledge. Islam's Number one priority is seeking knowledge. But knowledge is not just math and science. Knowledge, educational system, teach my kids morality. Islam says teach my kids ethics. Teach my kids honesty. Teach my kids bravery. Teach my kids humanity. Teach my kids selflessness. Teach my kids to seek justice. Teach my kids to be good citizens of the earth. This is the job of an educational system. And many of you You see, you know, last month, June, Pride Month. This is indecency. And today, activists in the LGBT movement are saying this is getting out of control. This is too much. You cannot have people parading in the streets in such a manner. That is why they ID people at the bars. They say, are you 18? Show me ID. But now this is coming out in the public. Taking five year old kids, infants in strollers. I don't need you to educate my children about this. This is not called education. I don't need you to educate my child that is in first grade about what's happening in the LGBT community. I need you to te- teach my child not to be lazy. I need you to teach my child to stand in front of injustice, bullying. I'm not saying by any shape or form that such individuals, we go and we bully them. This is not what I'm saying. I'm not even saying we judge them. I'm not even saying we shame them. But number one, the place this what should be taught in school is education. And this is not part of the curriculum. Number two, we must invest in the educational system. As Muslims, as taxpayers in this country, you also must voice your opinion. That we must invest in our educational system. The vast majority of Americans, they graduate and they have a lifetime of debt, student loans that they have to pay off. What's more important? If we make education free, Islam says education has to be free. Or we go and we try to export, for example, the American freedom to the rest of the world. Give your people freedom from debt and student loans. Islam says education must be free, and education must be available, and education and seeking education is the right of every human being. Number three, what is gender dysphoria? I've spoken about this last year. Many of you have probably heard my take on transgenders. But transgenders are 1% of people, let me explain this, this is very important. 1% of people, brothers and sisters, are born in a way where their gender cannot be identified. And some places, 2%, but nothing more. And Islam's take on this is very clear. If they, if a doctor, physician, whatever it takes, proves that this individual does not have a gender, meaning a male gender or a female gender, they transition into what is prevalent. Okay? But you cannot ask my first grader, who is a boy? What is your gender? He's a boy. What is your preferred pronoun? He is a boy. You're taking him to a doctor, five-year-old kid. He's having, he hasn't even gone to school. Checking him into the doctor's office. What is your preferred pronoun? What does he look like? Looks like a boy. You don't need to confuse this boy. You don't need to... Start this journey so early within their lives and keep them confused. And you all have seen and you have read and you have heard of people at the age 10 and 12 that transition, this, this, this girl, she probably has four brothers. She's the only girl in the family, so what happens? What happens? She becomes a tomboy. Oh, she's a, is, she a girl? is she a boy? She's not a boy. She's growing up amongst boys. She's going to grow out of this phase. You cannot permanently change her gender because at the age 12, she decides, I want to be a boy. And if this boy grows up with four sisters and he's the youngest one, guess what? He's going to be playing with Barbies. But he's going to grow out of that. This is no gender confusion. And we have to be able to clearly voice our stance. Today, Muslims, Christians, Jews, agnostics, people from all walks of life are saying, please, leave our kids alone. Last point that I want to make. In Islam, brothers and sisters, our children are the trust of Allah in our hands. Allah has entrusted us with this aman, and we must deliver this aman in the best of ways to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In this country, if we say in God we trust, God says take care of this trust. Take care of the soul. Take care of this human being. Allah, the Qur'an, let this be clear, that Islam says your body, your body does not belong to you. You cannot just one day wake up and say, I don't like my fingers, I'm going to amputate my fingers. Why? Because my fingers belong to me. In Islam, in a godless society, yes. But in Islam, it belongs to Allah. Now imagine if there is a soul within your womb. If you can't do something to your own body, can you take another soul out of your body and destroy it? You cannot. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that is why Allah says the most sacred place is the womb of the mother because it carries another human being. That is why Allah says, al-jannah, paradise is where? Underneath the mother's feet because this mother understood her responsibility and she kept that child for nine months and then she took care of the child and she knew, she knew that this is the amana of Allah and she wants to in the best of ways deliver the amana. That mother, Jannah is underneath her feet. And if she loses a child, Rasulullah says, worry not. That child will stand at the gates of Jannah. And Allah says, you are an innocent child, go to Jannah. The child says, never. I will not enter Jannah without my mother. This is the value that Islam gives to mothers. This is the value that Islam gives to family. And today, brothers and sisters, I am here to tell everyone whether you are here, whether you will listen later, whether you're sitting at your home somewhere in the world right now and listening, that tonight we discuss the story of Hur. If you have sinned, it's okay. Come back like Hur. If you feel like I've committed this sin and I have no chance, so I've stopped praying and don't do that, your sin... Is not greater than the sin of Hur. Hur literally intercepted the camp of Imam Al Hussein. He caused the misery of Imam Al Hussein. His sin cannot be compared to anyone's sin. Don't say, I've sinned so much, I have no chance. I cannot go to the majlis of Imam Al Hussein. I am a sinner. I'm here to tell you, this is the place for you. This is where you cleanse yourself. This is where you purify yourself. <inaudible> Hop on that rescue boat of Imam al hussein Seek salvation in his name. He will take you. Just like he took Hur. Hur came to him. Hur ibn Yazid al-Riyahi came to him. He was obviously very embarrassed. He was very shy. But he said, I am here to ask myself a, a question. On one side I see Jannah, on one side I see nar. And I will not choose for my end to be the damnation of God. So he had the bravery to go to Hussein. Many of us were not brave enough to knock at his door. Because we think that door is not going to open. I'm here to tell you that door will open. Even if every person in the world is telling you that you are the biggest sinner and the door will not open, Imam Hussain says, just try knocking on my door and see if I don't open it for you. So he came to him. He says to him, Ya Aba Abdullah, Ya Abna Rasulullah, Hallim Min Tawbah, is there a way that I can be forgiven? Imam Al-Hussein knew him because Hur was praying behind Imam Al-Hussein every day. And Imam Al-Hussein on the 10th of Muharram on the on the day that he was intercepted by Hur, on the 2nd of Muharram Imam Al-Hussein asked, "Who is this man?" They said, "Innahu al ibn Yazid So Imam Hussein this is what he said, he says "Thakalatka ya May your mother mourn for you, Yahur. You are here to intercept the camp of Hussein. What did Hur say to him? He says, Ya Hussein, you've mentioned my mother, but I cannot mention yours. So he knew them. They had dialogues, they were speaking to each other, but Imam Al Hussein does not say, Oh Hur, is it you? Imam al Hussein says, Man and who are you? Because he is a new person now. He is not Hur. He's a changed person. His sins have already been cleared. Man ant, and he does not say his name because his name is irrelevant now. He says Yabna Rasul I am the one that caused this misery. Imam Al hussein does not shame him. Does not tell him shame on you. Go to Hajj. Pray this. Do this. He says to him one word. Subtahalahu alay. Seek forgiveness and Allah will forgive you. And that is why Hur told him, Ya Aba Abdullah, I will not descend from my horse. I will keep riding until I fall. And he marched towards the enemies. And he fought and he fought bravely. And every while he would come back to Imam Al-Husayn. He would greet and salute Imam Al-Husayn and he would go back. Until suddenly Imam Al Hussein heard Al Hur Ibn Yazid Al Riyahi call out ya Aba Abdullah alayka minni al salam We're all sinners today we tell him ya Aba Abdullah alayka minni al salam Meaning ya Aba Abdullah this is the salam of the sinner this is the salam of the one that is repenting and coming back to you. Imam Al-Hussein ran to him. He didn't neglect him. He didn't say, Hur, you're the one that did this. I'm holding a grudge against you. He ran to him, he held him tight to his chest in the last moments, and he says, Ya hur, anta kama ummuk. You are a free man, just like your mother named you. Let us send our souls, our hearts, our minds. To the land of Hussein, To the land of forgiveness. To the land of freedom. All the brothers and sisters wherever you are. Even the ones sitting at home by the way. Listening. I want you to raise your voice right now. All together. Ya <laughs> wa Brothers, brothers, sisters, Rabbi Muharram is all, almost over. Your Azadari, this is a chance, this is an opportunity for Azadari. Seize the opportunity. Write your name amongst the Azadar and the Mutawassil and the Wasilah of Allah who is Hussein. So raise your voice. Don't remain silent. Don't be shy. It is you and your master Hussein. One more time. يا سيدنا وما ولانا إنا توجهنا واستشفعنا All those who have Hajjad, it is you and Hussein in this moment. Ya wajhan, and Allah is fa'lanah. Ya wajhan, those who have ill ones, those who have special haja, those who want to be the za'ir of Hussein in this Arba'een, one more time, here is your chance. Ya wajeehan Allah I want to speak of one more companion before I conclude. This companion, he was not Muslim. But he saw Imam al-Husayn as the caravan of Imam al-Husayn was moving along. He just happened to know that they say he is the grandson of Rasulullah. So let me spend some time with him. And then he realized that Imam al-Husayn is now intercepted in a land called Karbala. So his mother says to him, Ya Wahab, you have just married a few days ago. You were married. And our destination is Kufa. He says, Mother, let's spend some time, more time with Hussein. The next day she says, Wahab, let us go. He says, One more day with Hussein. And you all know the story. Until the eve when Imam Al Hussein turned off the candles, so many people left. But when he turned on the candles, that Wahab, the Christian boy, he was still there. So Imam Al-Hussein says to him, Ya Wahab, you're a Christian, what are you doing here? He says, Ya Abu Abdullah, I cannot leave you. But you've just married, I cannot leave you, don't ask me to leave you. Let me fight a little bit with you on the 10th of Muharram, then then I may depart your camp. And on the 10th of Muharram, brothers and sisters, Wahab, he went and he fought very bravely. Historians say that he killed 200 of the enemies of Imam al hussein And then he came back to the tent, he was about to rest, his mother says to him, Ya Wahab, for 10 days I have been telling you, let us depart this camp, but now I tell you, Ya Wahab. I, I know the mothers will feel this more than anyone else. Ya Wahab, I want you to be the sacrifice for Hussein. Go and give your life for the son of Fatima. He says to her, Oh, mother, what happened? Until moments ago, you were telling me that you want me to go back to my wife, to my life. Let us leave this camp. She says, I could not bear when I heard the cries of Hussein. Standing in front of his tent, calling out, "Allah al-Min Nasser yalsurana, Allah al-Min Mu'in yu'inuna, Allah al-Min Dhabbin yadubu anna, ونحن آل bayt رسول one more sentence before I conclude brothers and sisters on the 10th of Muharram when the battlefield was over do you know what happened the tribe of Wahab came and they took the body of Wahab they say that this is our man he's from our tribe we cannot leave his body here even though they have amputated the head of Wahab huh? so they took Wahab they put him in a grave who else came the tribe of Hur Hur was a commander Some people from the other side came and they said, he used to be our commander, we will bury him. (laughs) Then Zaynab looked at the body of (laughs) Hussain. She says, what about my brother Hussain? What about the one that has no family and tribe? Yes, the body of your imam, brothers and sisters Was left on the soil of Karbala Three days بلا غسل ولا كفني. أين munadi wa all of us together, wa mazluma, wa shahida, wa Salima wa adshana.